0: return after only six months. My name is Mike. With me tonight is Cousin Paul. How's it going? Good, how are you?
1: Good. I was actually just talking with somebody about whether or not you were still doing this podcast, so, you know, coincidence.
0: Well, I keep wanting to do more episodes, um, but then... Life gets in the way, schoolwork gets in the way, coronavirus gets in the way of new wrestling being on TV. And I I I thought about doing solo shows, just me talking about wrestling, but I don't know if people would care about that. And yeah. it's solo shows you are have hard. a conversation. Huh?
1: Solo shows are hard. Conversations are always good.
0: Yeah. And I don't know. It's not something I wanted to have a, a big, long delay on or a big, long break like this. But it's just something that happened. And uh, hopefully I, I can overcome it. Um, I'd like to try to get a round table of, of second chairs going, you know, like yourself or my buddy Mikey or my buddy Brandon or my buddy Bradford or um, other other people just, you know, and, and maybe even some big groups sometime of a bunch of us together just shooting the shit about wrestling.
1: Yeah. Well, I have a feeling that now with the, the dynamics of our changes in each of our personal lives, that uh, yeah. it'll be easier for you and I to do it consistently, at least.
0: Yeah. And like one thing that was happening, um, obviously not so much. Uh, like my plan was is hopefully like if you were going to be going to Limitless every month, uh, we could record on the way down for you know the short drive down, we could record on the way back. Just to talk about the show, you know, talk about what we're what we're looking forward to and then talk about the, you know, what happened while we were at the show. Um, I think my, yeah. But, um, then, you know, again, coronavirus, COVID-19 shutting everything down. So
1: that, that disrupted that, that disrupted me seeing Chris Tatlander kick Anthony Green's ass. So I'm, I'm disappointed.
0: Yeah, that would have been a good fight. Good match. Good bout. So anyways, I mean, wrestling is still on TV, um. You know, it's it's our new normal now is is wrestling with no fans, and uh, they, people either hate it or they love it.
1: Um,
0: it, it, what, what's your thoughts on it?
1: I think the interesting thing about it is, I think that if it is done well, it's good, and I think that uh, when it isn't good, it just showcases the talent that was developed to only work on crowd reaction or yep. the talent who also just like they, they don't really have much more going for them than crowd reaction. So obviously I've mostly watched some WWE stuff here and there because I don't have cable, so I can't watch, um, right. uh, dynamite, but, um, you can tell the WWE talent that, Has nothing going for them but crowd reaction. You can tell the ones that are so used to playing off the crowd reaction that they have skill, but it gets disrupted when they don't have that component. And you see the guys that don't, the guys that are used to wrestling in front of nobody, and like it it shows. Yeah, I've
0: noticed that too. There's a lot of, and and I'm not trying to blame things, but I'm going to call it the performance center. Yeah, creations you know the, the wrestlers that weren't on the independence before like never wrestled in front of a crowd of five people before um and instead they were just kind of got their break into the business and raised and trained wrestling at the performance center and they've always been in front of a an environment with with an audience you know like and and charlotte's one of them um she is a performance center wrestler although she seems to be able to function uh, without the crowds, which is which is good, uh, and then on the other end of the, the spectrum, you have you know wrestlers that they've tried to push in the past that the fans have booed heavily, or not wanted to see be pushed, and, and now they can push them and do whatever they want because they don't have to worry about what the crowd thinks or the crowd reaction. Yeah, you know, you know yeah. like for instance, Nia Jax is getting a kind of a big push right now, and we don't have the the live crowd reaction to to shit all over that. Yeah, they can and just do what they want.
1: She's an interesting one too because she, like, she needed more time to develop, but she has a lot of potential yeah. that was crushed by the fact that the crowd reaction was never going to be favorable for her.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been an interesting time. I mean, we we haven't. I mean, I wrote a blog about it uh, on my on the Wrestling Insomniac blog called Wrestling with the Pandemic," and I, I kind of broke it down a little bit as far as. You know, WWE's last show in front of an audience was March 11th, and that was a Wednesday night, and that was an NXT full sail and AEW out of Utah, I believe it was.
1: That's so, wild. That was almost two, two, year, uh, two months ago now.
0: Yeah, March 11th was the last, you know, wrestling shows, live wrestling shows in front of a crowd that we, we got to see, and, and since then, Raw, SmackDown, and SmackDown was the very first show without an audience that Friday night, and they did it from the Performance Center, and... It was actually really good. I enjoyed it. Um, Yeah. uh, But then Monday Night sucked. Monday Night Raw sucked. And, And really, for me, Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, just as a whole, these last two months have been hit or miss. You know, like, there's been parts that have been good, there's been episodes that have been terrible, with nothing salvageable, in my opinion, from it. And it's really just, it's... Again, kind of like we discussed, but a lot to do with the talent they're using, the talent they have access to, especially when the restrictions got a little tighter. and They really can only use Florida talent. And, you know, they started doing a lot of squash matches with the uh, NXT talent that hadn't come on even debuted on NXT TV. Had they just been training at the Performance Center. So that's, you know, it's kind of how they've handled it. Um, AEW, on the other hand, they continued to tape Dynamite. Uh, they did a couple in Florida and then they've been taping shows in Georgia that they call it the Nightmare Compound. And again, you're, they're running a the very limited talent, California talents there, you know, SCU, Rick Knox, uh, The Young Bucks, uh, uh, Brent Harry and there, Peter plus others or I can go to the shows, Hangman page, because of flight restrictions or the restrictions, but we are getting to see Cody, Dustin, and we're getting to see Tom Allen on AEW, but it's definitely not the whole roster. Um, Did you watch Being the Elite that the Young Bucks did?
1: No, I haven't watched it yet.
0: Okay. Well, you should go back and watch it. Uh, They did their 200th episode, which featured a match between, uh, against uh, Nick and Matt, had a match against each other. But leading up to it, uh, episode 198, and then they did a 3 part 199 they put on three days in a row, where um, apparently Nick Jackson owns in this big estate he has there in, in California. He has tennis courts, and they put a wrestling ring on the tennis court, and they taped some matches. And they taped matches involving um, the Young Bucks, SCU, Brandon Cutler, Peter Avalon, and they call and and two they just kept calling them the jobbers, Um, but they taped some individual matches, tag team matches, a a Royal Rumble style match, and then the Young Bucks had their match, and it was all very entertaining. And Excalibur did the commentary, and Rick Knox was the referee, and they got Justin Roberts to like record himself doing the entrances, the entrance voiceovers to send in for them to play.
1: That was awesome. that, that
0: was pretty. That was pretty entertaining. You should definitely check that out.
1: Yeah, I just uh, subscribed to their channel on YouTube so I could check that out.
0: Yeah. Um. But you know, it's 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 not just in the U.S. It's in Canada. Like, there's no shows running in Canada at all. There's no shows running in in Great Britain or in Europe. Um. Mexico. Uh, there were, there had been no shows for quite some time. Let's see here. The last shows in Mexico uh, that CML did were on March 13th, and AAA did their final show on March 15th. And then on April 18th, AAA recorded something they're calling Lucha Fighter. Um, they recorded a bunch of shows, uh, a bunch of matches that day with no audience, and they've been airing them on YouTube. And they just did a big show yesterday, actually, uh, May second, that they aired on YouTube last night. And what's interesting about this is that Mexico is known for their trios matches, six man tags. Like you used to see it in WCW Nitro back in the day when they had all the luchadors in their six in the six man tag. But like most, all the cards at AAA, CMLL, or uh, Mexico and any lucha libre league in Mexico, there's a lot of uh, trios matches these lucha fighter cards that aaa has been putting on all one-on-one matchups, which is very just unusual for uh, a promotion out of Mexico to do that.
1: That's one of the interesting things about what's been going on is seeing some uh, unusual matchups because they have to work with what they have. And the dynamic yep. is very different. It's, it's, it's been interesting to see some of the changes in that regards It's interesting to see, like, with WWE, of course, there was the day where there were a ton of people cut, uh, and since then there's been a trickle of a few other people cut, and um, to see the dynamic of some people where, as fans, we go, like, oh, thank God we could see them actually get used somewhere now, and they can either go on the indies and make it well, or they could go to AEW, like, I mean, you know, like, the club the the revival yeah
0: seeing doc uh, dog gallows and carl anderson get cut i'd love to see them go back to new japan um i don't think they'll go to AEW quite frankly but i would love to see them do some indie shows first maybe go to new japan um i i would love to see uh, i mean obviously the revival now calling themselves the revolt you know they i would <laughs> There's been an independent league out of North Carolina, and the, and both revival members are out of North Carolina, so there's no way they hadn't heard of these guys: Caleb Conley, Jake Manning, and I can't remember the other dude's name, but they were a, a trio team, and they had been calling themselves the Revolt for five years now. <laughs> I know, and and like as soon as I saw the you know the revival reveal their name as being uh, Revolt, I was just like, I actually tweeted Caleb Conley and said, "Hey, have you seen this?" And he's like, "Unfortunately, I have." And he's pissed, and I think rightfully so because he spent five years building merch, building this this name and this team, and to have these other guys from the same state just who have a, a bigger audience, you know, uh, kind of swoop in and take it—that it, does suck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it was like one of me is uh, is Chris Hero hearing him get cut from WWE. Uh, because, yeah, you mean know, I've been talking. You showed me the one match with him and uh, Zach Saber Jr. Yep, uh, over and over, like that is your old man. I say the same story over and over. Match like you show me that That's match all the match. time. Like, oh, you let me show you this Chris Hero match, young whippersnapper. Um, it's Dude, like talking you, to my dad. Just, so. <laughs>
0: here's the thing: anyone that was at that show that night feels the same way because oh, we I, still don't feel like we fully paid for what we got.
1: And I, I don't disagree. Like, I only watched it on video, obviously, but yeah. uh, to watch that and to understand, I mean, when you first showed me, I didn't understand who either of the guys were at right. all. But now to understand who they were and to understand a lot more about indie wrestling than I did, because, I mean, you first showed that match to me years ago. Well, uh, yeah,
0: it, it was for, it was January 2016 is when that match happened. And,
1: yeah, so I'm sure the and, first time you showed it to me wasn't long after that, and at that point, yeah. I was... I was uh, in a very different place in my understanding of wrestling because I was pretty casually watching. Uh, yeah. And it wasn't until guys started popping up in NXT. And the first NXT that I really watched was the, the takeover that had Shinsuke versus um, oh, Sami Zayn. Sami
0: Zayn, takeover Dallas in 2017. Yeah.
1: Yes, yeah. I mean there was a lot of good stuff before that, but that was when I started watching NXT closer, and that's when I started understanding yeah. a lot more about independent guys. And you know, I mean, obviously, I knew there were independent wrestlers that could do good stuff, but I didn't know how to engage to it until then. So right. something like Chris Hero versus well, Zack I mean, Ryder was was uh, a bit lost on me until I understood more.
0: Zack Sabre Junior. i sorry, Zack Sabre, not Zack Ryder. Zack Sabre Junior.
1: Yeah, God. yeah, I know I was well, gonna I, do. That.
0: I, I, <laughs> Every every one of us that were there that night that we we still talk about that match because we paid ten dollars for front row, yeah, ten dollars. You know, essentially at an American Legion Hall in Orono, Maine, on a stormy night in January, we got a blizzard. It didn't start till after the match had started, and we basically got to see equivalent of back in the day when fans went and to North Carolina and Greensboro and South Carolina and everything, and and saw Savage, uh, Savage, Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's the equivalent of that. We got to see Zack Sabre Jr. against Chris Hero, who in 2016, 2015 and 16, had a tremendous series of matches against each other for PWG in California, uh, Progress Wrestling in the UK, uh, uh, Evolve Wrestling, and then, you know, Limitless Wrestling of all places. And they went 30 minutes almost that night in Orono and put on a damn fine friggin' match. Like it was just crazy, just crazy. And I think that's, we're all still in disbelief four years later that we saw that match in that environment and, and, and every, like, it was just crazy, craziness. But anyhow, yes, I'm excited to see some of these guys on the independence whenever they start up again. Um, to go back a little bit uh i talked about uh canada uk europe and, and mexico and japan japan's in the same boat i mean uh the two biggest promotions in japan all japan new japan and uh, NOAA, so i guess the three biggest promotions haven't been hadn't been running shows uh new japan's last show was february 26 which is crazy to think that they haven't run a show in over two months and they still haven't um Pro Wrestling, uh, all Japan's Russell had, I, I believe they've done a couple shows with no crowds. Uh, Noah has been running shows with no audience. In fact, they just finished up their Global Tag League tournament um, which was won by Dr. Wagner Jr. and Rene Dupree. Yes. Rene Dupree from La Resistance fame in the WWE is now uh, the NOAA Global uh, Honored Tag Team Champion and uh, first Gaijin team to ever win the Global Tag Team Tournament Cup. So it's just, uh, it's interesting. And on the local front, Limitless Wrestling, back in March after they had to cancel their March show in Westbrook, that kind of that same weekend, it might have been the next weekend before they put all these sanctions down on crowd sizes and this and that. uh, Nah, they might have even broken the rules, come to think of it. Uh, They they taped a series of matches, uh, six episodes worth, of matches at the dojo up in orno and uh, it's called pandemic at the dojo and every tuesday night it's been airing uh, on IWTV, which is independent wrestling television which is like the wwe network for independent wrestling and it's about an hour-long show they've been putting all the matches on youtube as well they also air the show on facebook live and it's uh it's it's been fun to see some local wrestling that way during this time but the last episode is this coming tuesday so be, uh, they've talked about releasing some old footage after that but it'll be interesting I mean otherwise there's there's no new content like there is this is this match this Tuesday night is the last new independent wrestling content that I'm aware of in the United States since this started
1: yeah it's a wild time
0: it is it's, so uh...
1: It's definitely made me think a lot about how we can go about supporting the people that we appreciate too. Uh, cause I, you know, like I'm a big comic fan. So like I've thought about that with uh, different, you know, artists, stuff like that, being able to do stuff. But uh, having just gotten into Christette Lander, cause she was at the, the limitless show. We went to the last one before all this happened. And then, you know, she was starting working with AEW and everything um and just seeing like yeah i mean she still has very much that like connection with the indie wrestling scene uh so yep. starting following her on twitter and seeing other indie wrestling stuff just it gets you thinking like so like anthony green you know i had tweeted you but of course you already knew about it the card that he did of his uh wrestlemania day weekend you know stuff like that like
0: WrestleMania weekend yeah, your trading card yeah yeah
1: yeah stuff like that there's like a lot of cool stuff that's like now's kind of the time to like watch what's out there but you know, now's the time to spend your money on uh, on merchandise for somebody you appreciate. Help them make ends meet until stuff can start back up.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly and, and realistically, uh, there's a lot of independent wrestlers out there that have gone all in into independent wrestling. And they don't have a quote-unquote day job. You know, they don't have anything to fall back on right now because they, they had it needed to. Because they were focusing on, I'm going to make a career out of being an independent wrestler. And when all of a sudden your bookings dry up, uh, I I don't think they can file for unemployment, you know, because they they didn't have a quote unquote job before. They were independent contractors, if you will, trying to make a go of things that way. Uh, So I actually don't know how that works, but it it is tough for them right now. A lot of those rustlers and a lot of them are selling, you know, some, you know, good merch, uh, launching new T-shirts or have like Anthony Green's trading card. Or you know anything in between like that. So I mean it's yeah you're right. It is a time. I myself am going through a lot of body changes with my surgery and for a, had bariatric surgery in February. So like right now the idea of me buying any clothes is not something I'm doing. Uh, uh, however, I. Support in the I'm waiting for it to arrive in the mail. I, I've I've bought a couple other independent wrestlers. They have trading cards. They've put out. I've picked up. i purchased those from them. Thoughts? Um, they had a huge 50 percent off DVD sale. I, I bought some DVDs. Holy shit! Monkey has gone crazy buying DVDs. and Ring of Honor and they pull everything is well these actually kinda of crazy. My issue is with anything uh, WWE and I've looked at their their site WWE and Wrestling and everything. At first New Japan it's just expensive to just, I think I'm from out of, out of the country. It's just too... It, it, shipping is so expensive and it's taking months. Um, and WWE, I've just... I have not been a fan of their clothing line. I think we talked about this today or texted about it. I've just not been a big fan of their clothing line in such a long time. Like I, I haven't... They put their t-shirts out. I, I, don't, I look at them and I just go, eh. You yeah,
1: know? it's like they pump out designs too quickly and... Uh the last one I remember really liking was so you and I both got a Pete Dunne t-shirt and that one was pretty decent and there was a yep. Tommaso Ciampa uh blackheart t-shirt that I really liked also. Oh. Those are the last ones I remember liking. Yep.
0: And then they were our foundation shorts that I sent you the link on
1: yesterday. <laughs> Those are cool, but I can't I can't imagine spending 50 bucks on shorts right now.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely not. Uh, I just, um, I can just either. I just to go outside the route of supporting. You know, we've yes, comic from them, and I know you've been supporting comics and everything as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I got a, I got a bunch of. I mean, I showed you the, uh, what one did I show you? The, the X Files one. I got a GI Joe one, uh box from IDW coming, and uh, yeah. then Charles one. There's, you know, it's an interesting time where it's a, uh, a time where places, companies, people, whatever, can spend their time focusing on how to put together a bundled product that people are gonna want yeah. rather than having to think about producing new content really right now. It's a, it's a strange time, that's for sure.
0: It is a strange time. Um, I think my favorite new wrestling content that's out there right now, though, is Vice TV's TV series Dark Sun of the Ring. Mm. And I don't know if you've watched any of these, but this season has been tremendous.
1: I haven't watched any, but I see people tweeting about them like crazy, and yep. I... I, I want to check this out. That's for sure.
0: Well, I'll send you some YouTube links. Um, you know, you can go to the dark side of the uh, ring, official YouTube page. And I believe the two part Chris Benoit opening episode is on there for free. Otherwise they're a dollar 99 an episode. And then of course there's people that bootleg it up on YouTube constantly. Um, but so far this season, you know, we had the Crispin Benoit episode. We had the brawl for all episode. That was really, really good. Surprisingly, um we've had i don't remember all of them i guess but we've had uh no, a new jack episode and some of his escapades in the ring and and just yeah yeah craziness there brawl for all
1: um, it was we decided to have a bunch of shoot fights
0: the brawl for all yeah yeah back in the 90s that's when they <laughs> decided they were going to have like with boxing gloves three. Yes, like a tough yeah. band contest, kind of. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it didn't go well. <laughs> it didn't go well. Guys got hurt, careers ended, or got destroyed. Um, the quote-unquote wrong guy won it. So, um, the Dino Bravo episode was surprisingly tremendous. Like, there was so much about the Dino Bravo episode, I just didn't realize. Um, they just did such a great job with it. And then the most recent episode was about Dr. D. David Schultz. And that, again, was also fantastic. So um, this is some great new wrestling content that's out there as far as it's old footage, but it's new interviews. Uh, these guys do a, tr- a fantastic job on these documentaries. And then my favorite part, actually, is these air on Tuesday night on Vice or on Crave in Canada. And then on Wednesday, on uh, the Grilling Jr. podcast feed, um, Conrad Thompson is doing a podcast with the creators of Dark Side of the Ring, and they're calling it Dark Side of the Podcast. And instead of like creating a new podcast feed, they just put it right on the Grilling Jr. feed, and it's awesome. I mean, I love watching the episodes, and then afterwards listening to them talk about the episodes and their experiences with the wrestlers in the episode and the reenactments and little tidbits that didn't make it into the episode and just all the trouble and stuff they went through to, to get those interviews done and get those filmed. I mean, it's, it's well worth, it's a fantastic companion to the episode and it's, it's well worth your time to listen to, uh, to those podcasts.
1: Yeah. I'll have to check those out. I'm very interested in the, the documentaries and the, the subject matter of the documentaries like definitely really hits on those things is uh even though i was a latent wrestling fan for a number of years i was so into it when i was a kid that i had dug into these threads of stuff that back i mean back when i was a kid digging into the stuff the internet was hard to even use you know but um getting uh, uh some knowledge of like you know dino bravo's death and stuff like that uh, these documentaries yeah. are like exactly the things that I was like barely getting the threads of as a kid that to me they're right. just like, Oh, well, that's, that's exactly what I, what I want to hear about.
0: Well, like when I was a kid, um, I was born in 1979 and, and Dr. D like when I was five, six years old, you know, that's when he was kind of in the WWF his big time before his John Stossel incident. And I just remember between watching it live on TV and watching it, um, well, not it wasn't live. Live, it was taped. But you know what I mean. Watching it on TV as as it aired, or my when my dad would rent the VHS tapes for me at the video store and everything. You know, I, I knew as a kid then that wrestling probably wasn't on the up and up. Um, I would never call it fake. I never called it fake then, but you know, I just I wasn't stupid. Okay, I'm just gonna say it that way. Like I I thought there was something. But it didn't matter to me. I didn't care because I loved it so much and it was entertaining. But I never once thought that Hulk Hogan's time as champion was in jeopardy. Like, I never felt he was going to lose a title. I never thought anyone was ever going to beat him. (coughs) Excuse me. Like, I just... Even when King Kong Bundy broke his ribs and they had their steel cage match at WrestleMania 2, I didn't think Hogan was going to lose. Even when he wrestled Andre the Giant at WrestleMania 3, I didn't think Hogan was going to lose. Like, I... And never in doubt. But when he wrestled Dr. D David Schultz, I thought there's a chance Hogan would lose because maybe the rest of these guys are not as tough as they seem. Dr. D he seemed like a tough SOB and scared me a little bit when I was a kid. <laughs> so it's hilarious when I watched the documentary last week and, uh, him and Hogan were like friends and Hogan slept on his couch for a time when he first got into wrestling, you know, to learn things like that. So, yeah, yeah, it was just, uh, it's, it's well worth watching these, these, uh, dark Sathering documentaries, but otherwise, I mean, what kind of wrestling have you been watching? What do you so find been, yourself uh, going to?
1: Yeah, I, I've been, uh, I've been jumping around a little bit. Um, I haven't been like, concretely sitting down fully concentrating on a whole lot of stuff uh, on tv yeah. lately i've been doing more reading and a uh, bit of video games but um you so one thing is you sent me or you sent me you gave me some dvds um and i yeah. watched uh, a couple of them right off the bat uh one was the young bucks documentary which, especially, like, knowing what's going on and, you know, their success with AEW right now, and then you tell me about their their match with each other, and it just seems perfect. Um, watching that DVD where it's them uh, still very much grinding on the indie scene um, was really good. And, like, it really did, like, I mean, I've always had some appreciation for them, but to just, like, see them as people definitely made me appreciate them even more. And then I watched the, uh, the Candice LeRae and Joey Ryan one, which, once again, it was just basically a, an interview documentary. Um, they did have a match at the end with uh, Mia Yim and Leva Bates, I think it was. Um, yep, yep. So like that was the one match in that DVD. I got to saw, see them actually wrestle. Uh, But both of those, it was very fun to watch and see their personalities. And Joey Ryan, I didn't know anything about. Like, I haven't watched him ever before that. But Candice LeRae, obviously, I had. And the Young Bucks, I had seen at least some. Uh, But seeing them, like, the Young Bucks one, especially seeing them when they got to uh, the part of the documentary where they had their match with uh, the Hardys was really cool. Like, just seeing how, not only how excited the Young Bucks were to be there and doing it, how confident they were in what they were doing. Then also the Hardys, like, obviously they're confident in what they're doing, but their enthusiasm for what they were doing was really impressive. So that was pretty cool. Um, Aside from that, I've I've been jumping around random stuff. I mean, you and I had both gotten on the thread of. uh, So a while back, obviously, we haven't done this podcast in a while. So this is at least a little bit we're talking about Uh, the weekend before WrestleMania I was so stressed out by stuff. I thought WrestleMania was that weekend. I was so excited about <laughs> it that yeah. you said, Hey, let's just watch some wrestling tonight. So we sat and watched uh talking with each other on the phone, we watched wrestling for like three hours. Um yeah. which is like if you took WrestleMania and boiled it down to like all the actual wrestling, it was, you know, pretty much the same amount of time. Um but well, we watched some good matches. I uh, I didn't know exactly what to recommend, but I, I the only I think the only match I could think of was I wanted to watch Steamboat uh Savage. from Steamboat from WrestleMania three. So you had yeah. us watch Steamboat and Flare, which got me watching more Steamboat and Flare matches. Yep. Uh, I can't remember all the things we watched, we we floated through a whole oh, bunch of stuff. Jeez, I, Mike I Austin, think. We, opened,
0: we uh, opened with um we opened with uh, Tully Blanchard versus Magnum TA. I quit yep. steel cage match. United States and that's championship. When,
1: that's another match you've shown me that a couple of times because it's your favorite match, obviously. But uh, yeah. definitely, like that—that that was the biggest example to me of how my uh, appreciation as a wrestling fan has grown in the last eight years uh, since yep. I've been in Maine, and we've we've been watching wrestling more often together. Um, Have you
0: only been in Maine for eight years? But at the same time, you've been in Maine for eight years already.
1: Yep, pretty much. That's where we're at. Sammy is—he's going to be in years. July. So I, I guess we're about to hit nine years. I think.
0: Yeah, because I say eight years ago I helped you move, and you were already here.
1: Yeah, yeah. So nine years. We're about to hit nine years. I think, or we just hit. Still nine, though, it's
0: like it, it's crazy. It's been that long already, but at the same time, it's already been that long.
1: Yeah, when you think about some of the stuff that we did. We went to that uh, the big time wrestling show where I got to meet Bret Hart. Uh, yeah. You know the. The first limitless show kind of I went to show. with you. The what now? The first limitless show I went to with you, which that yep. still blows me away. You were talking with, about with Cody seeing and
0: uh, JT done.
1: Yeah, Zach. You, you know, you saw Zack Saber and uh, Chris Hero wrestle for ten bucks. We got front row tickets with Cody Rhodes headlining for thirty bucks, and saw him wrestle JT Dunn. But then we saw yeah. Jack, We saw Hanson. Um, we saw a lot of people at that show. I mean, and that show was good top to bottom too, as far as oh, yeah, the that was end end the matches. Show. I'm pretty uh, sure
0: Darby Allen was on that show as well.
1: It's, yeah, it's just crazy. Like all these guys who have been in limitless wrestling and I, I'm very glad that I went to that show. That was that was a heck of a thing. Um but anyway, so yeah, that's yeah, but-
0: yeah, we went to Suki Arena for another big-time show where uh, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and, and x were there. x Pac yeah. were there. I remember that one? Yeah. yeah. And the really crappy Savoldi, uh not Savoldi, but NWO on Fire IWE show in Lewiston at that little tiny building.
1: That was awesomely bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, exactly, that was awesomely bad. So I think I mean, Randy
1: uh, was the ring announcer for that, wasn't he?
0: He was, yeah. <laughs> did you go with me two days earlier to the IWE NW1 Fire show they had in Fairfield?
1: No, I did not.
0: Okay, all right. I went to the Friday night one in Fairfield and then the Sunday Matinee one with you. Uh and we've also been to a couple WWE shows at the Civic Center in Augusta.
1: Yep, and the one in Lewiston.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, the one in Lewiston as well. And then we went to Limitless this year. So and then we've watched a ton of pay per views together.
1: Yeah. Uh, but if that one night watching all those old matches was definitely, uh, I needed that that night too. That was great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We watched, I think the newest match that we watched was um, Mike Awesome versus Hulk Hogan <laughs> on Monday Nitro. And Mike Awesome got the win.
1: Yep. Yeah. So that yeah, got I me on a thread of watching back. a bunch of old WCW stuff, or, you know, like in late NWA, early WCW stuff. Yeah. Um, I, Have you been uh, on a
0: Too Cold Scorpio kick recently?
1: Yeah, I got on a Too Cold Scorpio kick, and I watched a bunch of matches, um, just kind of random ones. I just kind of yeah. put it on. A lot of times when I watch wrestling, I'm going to bed, so there's no telling how long I'll actually stay awake for it. Um, yeah. But I watched a few uh, Too Cold Scorpio matches. because I loved him. For, I didn't watch him in ECW, but I watched him in WCW. And then when he went to WWE's Flash Funk, it just, you know, was never quite the right. same. But I loved him. No, for no who he was. wasn't. Yeah. Um, but most of the matches I've actually watched when I got on that kick were after he went back to ECW after the okay. WWF run. Uh, so he's, you know, he's, he's older. He's a little bit thicker of a guy. But, man, could he go? And it was um, the matches I watched were fun to watch. and I want to dig back and watch some of the older ones when he was younger. Um and then the, I randomly started watching WrestleMania 17 the other day. And okay. I don't know exactly why. I think there were various matches mentioned and I didn't know what the hell WrestleMania they were from, to be honest. So I just like, I'm going to guess WrestleMania 17. So I put that on. The first match is Chris Jericho against um, uh, Regal. Yep. And so I was already like, this is... This is starting off good, and I, I watched that I match. Believe, and it,
0: yep, I believe WrestleMania Seventeen has the gimmick Battle Royal as well.
1: Did they have that? I, I haven't. I watched some of it. And I, I've, of course, like I watch. I fell asleep after a couple of matches because usually I'll, I'll put wrestling on most nights when I'm going to bed, and I'll kind of doze off while watching it. Um, but that Chris Jericho-Regal match, uh, like one, you know, they show a little bit of video package, so you kind of know what's going on. That was an era that I didn't watch wrestling at all. So everything was, you know, not just like, ah, I've seen this before, you know. But, um, well,
0: WrestleMania you know, 17 was in 2001, so I mean, that was right after WCW got bought out. So you got Shane yeah. versus Vince on that card.
1: Yep, yep, exactly, yeah. So, yeah. um, Regal, I looked it up, Regal was 33. Regal was younger than I am. And yeah. he feels like an old, old veteran wrestler whenever you watch him.
0: Yeah, and, Regal uh, is one of those guys that's looked 40 since he was 20.
1: Yep, exactly. And yeah. uh, so he was wrestling Jericho, who obviously Jericho has proved his credentials plenty over the years. Oh. So, yeah. like, I knew this was going to be a good match. And it wasn't the longest match. It wasn't a crazy match. It ended with uh, a lion salt uh, getting the pin. And... uh things I appreciated for it. Number one is that a finisher finished the damn match instead of a finisher being kicked out of 20 times before it finally wins the match. But uh, Jericho also selling his injuries uh, because Regal was really working over his shoulder. So like when he pinned him, the way he he locked him up to pin him, he started one way but couldn't maintain it because of his hurt shoulder. So he had to shift how he was, uh, you know, hooking him up to pin him and like, those two guys wrestling was just great, and uh, I don't remember much else from it other than I was looking through all the other matches that were coming out, and there was a heck of a lot of good matches on that WrestleMania. And Eric had kind of lost me. That was when I got out of wrestling, and I've gone back and watched the WrestleManias, and a lot of the the action in that era just like it feels like a mess to me, and I feel like that WrestleMania when they finally finished off WCW. Uh, got a little bit more cohesive uh, with what they were doing. That's, I mean, I haven't watched the whole thing. That that was kind of my first impulse with it.
0: Okay, I myself got on a kick uh, for whatever reason. I can't explain it. I just decided, you know what, I want to watch uh, a classic feud from my childhood, something that I haven't watched or thought about in a long time, and that's Greg the Hammer Valentine versus Tito Santana for the Intercontinental Heavyweight Championship in the WWF. Um. I was surprised to find out how difficult it was to find some of these matches of theirs they had on the WWE Network. Because here's the thing. I remember when I was a kid, when Gorilla Monsoon, would, when they'd have a title change, Gorilla Monso- Monsoon would say, history has been made here at the Garden, or wherever they were. Um, and yet, if I go back and look, all these title changes are not on the WWE Network for people to go back and watch. So anyhow, I did manage to find um, several of their matches. And if you go on to the Wrestling Insomniac blog, uh, i posted April the 25th, and it's literally just called Tito Santana versus Greg Valentine. And I talk about their feud, and I give you some specific dates, and then I tell you how you can go on the WWE Network and find some of these matches or find a lot of these matches.
1: Yeah, I found that uh, the... The compilation tape that had one of the matches on it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, WWF Grudge matches. That was the thing. Like that actual house show where this match took, where the where the title match took place, where Tito Santana, the big steel cage match uh, in Baltimore, Maryland, where where Santana defeats the Valentine to win the title back. To kind of not end their feud, but to win the title back. And after the match, Valentine destroys the. Intercontinental Championship, you know, he smashed against the cage, breaking it, and right after that, the belt that we all would become, that would become synonymous with the Intercontinental Championship when I was a kid, the one that that Savage held and the Honky Tonk Man and the Ultimate Warrior and Rick Rude and everybody, Uh, and then the one they just kind of brought back, that Shinsuke Nakamura most recently just had before they switched it out to the new one, I mean, that title was introduced, and that was because of this match in 1984, sorry, 1985, in, in Baltimore, Maryland. So I watched a series of matches between Valentine and and Tito Santana between nineteen eighty-four and nineteen eighty-five on the network. And like my buddy Jay said, like Valentine had his working boots on then. These guys beat the hell out of each other. There's a great lumberjack match that happened at Madison Square Garden that does not have the typical all the lumberjacks jump in the ring at the end and brawl, and that's how the match in the match gets thrown out. I mean it was there it was a hard-hitting match. These guys beat the hell out of each other. Well, because of this I have gone on a tear watching old WWF footage from 84 and 85 on the <laughs> network. And I can't get over how hard hitting these matches are. Even the opening matches are, but these matches are just hard hitting. These guys are just beating the shit out of each other and I'm loving it. And Hulk Hogan, even in these main event matches, like against Kamala at the Boston garden or big John Studd at, uh, at the the Madison Square Garden or against Dr. D, David Schultz, even, you know, I mean, first of all, Hogan's winning matches with a clothesline, not the leg drop, which is kind of ironic. He hasn't gotten into that kick out, Hulk up, three punches, big boot, leg drop pin that he had, that he started using like in 86 and 87, you know, 86 onward, basically. So, I mean, like you're seeing elements of that. But like he's still, but like you know, he he's winning, he's beating Big John Studd with a clothesline. He hits the leg drop. He doesn't go for the pin, but he hits the leg drop. But it's like a setup move, and then he hits the old axe bomber, which was his finish in Japan, and, and gets a three count. Also, Hogan's bleeding every match practically. I mean, he's uh, which I didn't really remember that as a kid very much, but you know, he's getting busted open a lot during these matches. In fact, the one with Kamala. He was pouring blood out of his head. So, I mean, I, I I've just been really into WWF all this footage on there 84, 85. and I'm a little sad that it's uh, I'm I've, I've, I've almost watched all of it.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, one of the things that's always gotten me as far as accessibility to certain matches is uh, Bret Hart beat Ric Flair for the the championship, and yeah. it it wasn't on a pay per view. And no, uh, you, it was, can, you can see it on the network, but you have to be able to find it. It's, it's on one of those compilation, uh, yeah. shows. Yeah.
0: It was, uh, I think it's on the global warning tour or, or one of those ones like that international tour teams they did because I remember like it, they, I think if you go to an episode of primetime wrestling in September of 92, it's on there as well. Um, but it may not be the whole match, just maybe like the f- closing minutes of it. But I remember when I was a kid, like I was shocked, like during the heyday of pay-per-view, you know, Bret Hart wins his first championship against Ric Flair at a house show in Saskatoon and it's taped for Coliseum home video release only. Yeah. It just seems crazy to me.
1: But You know, looking back and obviously I'm a big Bret fan, but, you know, to be able to say that his run as champion started beating, uh, I mean, he beat the man. He beat Ric Got to beat the man. He beat Ric yeah. Flair, and uh, I mean, how many people can say that they beat somebody of that caliber for their first championship? And yeah, uh, yeah I mean, that just like right. I mean, He's as to a win kid, the first
0: ever championship. You're right. Yeah.
1: When I when I first started watching wrestling, Bret Hart was champion. Uh, the nice first pay per view I ever watched on tape was WrestleMania nine, where he lost it to Yokozuna, and then uh, you know he had the King of the Ring right after that, that he won the King of the Ring tournament and. You know, WrestleMania 10 the next year, he won the championship back from Yokozuna after Yokozuna won it back from Hulk Hogan. But, uh, yeah, so like now going back and looking, be like, man, he, he became champion beating Ric Flair. Uh, you know, he became intercontinental champion both times beating Roddy Piper and uh,
0: Mr. Perfect.
1: Yeah, Mr. Perfect. He beat two he beat of the Mr. best. Perfect
0: first and then he beat Piper second. Yep.
1: Yeah, yeah, and what one of the, the questions that was on my mind knowing we were going to record is... Uh, I've been seeing on Twitter a lot recently uh, the question of, you know, who who's your top five wrestlers? And, uh, the
0: Mount Rushmore wrestling thing? Yeah,
1: and obviously that's really subjective because people are going to pick their favorites. Uh, it's
0: tremendously subjective.
1: Yeah, so one of the things I was thinking is um, there's always going to be favorites in there, but if you're really trying to say who are the top five wrestlers... Who's the wrestler that if you don't put it on your list, it kind of makes your list illegitimate, you know, kind of makes it to where, uh, you know, you're obviously just being subjective and you're saying who your favorite are, not who the best are. Like R- Flair obviously would have to be one of those guys, right?
0: Yeah, I, I would think so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, my two cents is if Bret Hart's not on your list of the top five wrestlers, your yeah. list, how, how valid can your list be?
0: Well, then you have the people that will argue that Hulk Hogan was a great heavyweight champion because he put asses in seats, but he wasn't a great wrestler. Yeah. So there's more subjectiveness to that.
1: Yeah, and you can argue different ways, obviously. So is it about making money, or is it about wrestling? I mean, what are we saying? Are are you the greatest draw of all time, or are you the greatest wrestler? I think if if, if your list is really who is the greatest wrestler, it sure as hell wasn't Hogan. He He drew money, which is obviously the most important part of the business, but... Yeah, I mean, he couldn't go. Hard. with hard.
0: The, yeah. There's so many great wrestlers that, out right? there. Like, Chris Harrow, is, in my opinion, is one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's so good in the ring, outside the ring, his psychology, his, his promos, his in ring ability, but yet he never got launched to superstar him on the national scene.
1: Yeah. You know, I like Arn Anderson's take on it. He talks about in his podcast the, the three different things you need. You need the, yeah. the body, you need the the charisma or the mic skills or whatnot, and then you need to be able to go in the ring, right? Yeah. And it's so rare that you get a guy who could do all three things. And he talks about right. the guys who had two of them that were great, like uh, Steamboat. You know, Steamboat yeah. had two. He just didn't quite have the level of charisma yep. On, yep. on the mic, you know? But like right. Flair was a guy who had all three. And that, well that you look of, at Rick. Flair of, yeah.
0: Rick Flair says that his greatest opponent of all time was Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. However, he can't consider Ricky Steamboat one of the greatest of all time because he never worked heel. Ricky was always just a babyface. So yeah. you know, you have two of the best, Arn Anderson and Rick Flair, both you know, giving Steamboat all the credit in the world at the same time both point poking holes. Like you said, like Arn Anderson said, he didn't have the charisma and brick flair said he, he never turned, he never worked helio or he's only ever worked babyface. So, you know, it's, you're right. It's subjective. Even with the top wrestlers in the world, this is subjective.
1: Yeah. It's an interesting conversation.
0: And, go ahead. Sorry. I
1: was, I was just going to say, you know, you look at the different eras that people watch, like, uh, you know, I, I just like I said, I I didn't watch the attitude era. But uh, guys like our friend Ronnie, you know, he loves Stone Cold. But then Daniel Bryan's WrestleMania 30 win was kind of a meh moment for him. Whereas for me, that was a huge moment. And, uh, you know, Stone Cold was obviously he was he was, you know, important and all that. But like, I wouldn't put Stone Cold as my number one, you know. Right. Although that uh, that Austin 316 moment was a hell of a moment.
0: I mean, I was actually there at WrestleMania 14, 1998 at uh, now the TV Garden, used to be called the Fleet Center, where the Austin era began where he defeated Shawn Michaels. Yeah. And there's another one just kind of going back to you said Steve Austin's first world heavyweight championship win was against Shawn Michaels. I mean, that's fucking huge as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and so. it- you know, you go back and look at his his run of his coming up. You know, he started, uh, he broke out with with King of the Ring and the Austin Three Sixteen. At the end of that, I remember watching that, and I was rooting for Jake Roberts so hard, and so I was disappointed. And then you know, he gets to the end and he says what he says, and I'm just like, "What an asshole!" You know. And uh, yeah, I was
0: I was seven. I just turned seventeen. That was right up my alley. That was yeah. right in my wheelhouse of of <laughs> where I you know I. I had just kind of gotten over the hump of cartoon wrestling, and yeah. I was watching ECW at that time. I'm at, at my buddy Jay's house on uh, his satellite dish at one o'clock in the morning on Saturday. Yeah, on Friday like to 13, Saturday morning. You
1: know, I was night. I wasn't over yet.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, but like, uh, to me, man, album, like that, was... I
1: get chills watching that. He just oh he felt yeah that so well. But I mean, he has that, and then he has uh, the match with Bret Hart in Survivor Series that I watched. That was before yep. their match at uh, at WrestleMania 13 which I've rewatched watched that recently. And, you know, that was when I was starting to get out of wrestling, so I wasn't watching it consistently then. And when I saw that, I was frustrated by it because I didn't want Brett to turn heel. I was pissed off because he was the one that was doing all the right things, you know, but it was the, the, the turning tide of things. And, like, now I can look back and, see, like, seeing Bret Hart on the Broken Skull Session uh, talking yes. about that match and how good of a job they did. Like, I can look back and appreciate that he was... You know, it wasn't that he was getting screwed like he was doing it, you know, like it was he was part of the, the the decisions and everything, you know,
0: you can look at it now and appreciate it for what it is.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's 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 a heck of a thing to be able to, like, to look at those details differently now. <sighs> but yeah, it
0: really is kind of crazy like that. So, well, uh, I think that's it for today. Uh, yeah, we I think uh, the
1: right note. <laughs>
0: Um, so uh, if you want to reach out to us on the Twitter, I'm, uh, I'm at superstar
1: I'm at who's Paul.
0: Yeah. And, uh, don't forget to check out my, my blog there, the wrestling com. And, uh, hopefully I'm not going to make any promises or swooping declarations, but hopefully this is uh, today is the start of a new beginning for the podcast. So I can just sit around and shoot the shit with my friends talking about wrestling probably almost the time. So Should anyways, be. thanks.
1: Yeah. <laughs>